Welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. If you're checking out the podcast for the very first time, welcome. And welcome back, everybody. After taking August off, it is now a new month. It is September, and the Joe Kilgallen Podcast is ready to ride again, damn it. The Joe Kilgallen Podcast, also known by longtime listeners as Kilgallen's Pub, is the podcast where I, comedian Joe Kilgallen, like to sit back, have some drinks with people, and recreate that bar conversation we all know and love. Now, in some episodes, I won't be drinking because, you know, it might be 11 a.m., but then again, it might be 11 a.m. Let's fucking get to it. You know what I'm talking about? Let's let's get crazy with it. This episode, I, I decided to kick it off with a regular, a semi-regular, making his third appearance on the podcast, the very funny New York-based stand-up comedian, Mike Lebo Lebovitz, affectionately known as Lebo, of course. The dude is hilarious. He was on HBO's show, Dirt. He travels all around the country doing stand-up comedy. He's got a great album out there that you need to check out. He's also a producer of a show called Comedians You Should Know New York. We have a very fun one on this one. Talk about all sorts of silly stuff. Get a little philosophical sometimes with Lebo, but then there's plenty of gross stuff in there too. The Joe Kilgallen podcast, everyone, is going to be kind of going forward because I did take a little hiatus there. Life got, it was a busy summer. I had to reset. I think it's important in life sometimes to take inventory, take stock of all that's going on around you. Take a step back and be like, hmm, is this the direction I wanted to go on? Is this what's best for me at the moment? What, what, what are my long-term plans? Or what are my short-term plans? Because I do believe in living in the moment, trying to be as present as possible. But you do every now and then need to check in with yourself. And I realized I was going in, I was going sideways in a sense. I wasn't going backwards. I really wasn't going forwards. But I was kind of just going sideways, just kind of fluttering along, you know, which is sometimes a dangerous place to be in. In a it, it is in a weird way. Because you, you feel good. You feel happy overall. You know you're busy. But you have to ask yourself, am I busy in the right way? Am I busy doing the things I love? Am I busy in a way that takes me to where I ultimately want to go? And, I, and the answer to that question for me was no. So at the time, I thought, do I keep just, no. I think it's okay, everyone. Never feel bad. Never feel guilty for this, no matter what you do in this world. I don't know what your careers are out there, but whatever it may be, take a step back every now and then. So what I did was I took a nice little time out. I went on a hiatus. So I'm not abandoning this ship. I fucking love this ship. I just I had to get off the boat though and be like, you know what? Let's paint the side right there. Let's smooth over some stuff, and then let's let's lift the anchor back up and let's fucking go, huh? You get you get nautical references in the intro of the return episode. I hope you appreciate it because I don't know shit about the sea. But I decided that like the best course of action: take August off, come back, and kind of come back rejuvenated, a newfound love, if you will, for the Joe Kilgallen podcast. It's being released on a Thursday. Thursdays, I believe, will be the day going forward with a couple. Uh, I'll have an episode with a guest, and I might check in with you half hour solo. Then the Patreon is already being uploaded. I uploaded a 15-minute live stand-up comedy set that was taken just a week ago. I did the early. I did two shows, actually, so I might be getting a second one. August 28th at the Laugh Factory in Chicago, I did a 15-minute set. I threw that up on the Patreon just yesterday. So big shout to the Patreon subscribers. Big shout to the YouTube Uh subscribers as well anyone who follows me on any social media platform you are all the best if you want to help but you don't you know money's tough for everyone i understand that but you don't want to you know give a little to the patreon which i totally understand by the way there's a lot of people i love that i can't afford their patrons i understand that what you could do watch some of the stuff on youtube share some links here or there i appreciate any little tiny thing you could do enough of me blabbing let's get right to the conversation i had with mike Leibovitz. this is the joe kilgallen podcast Awesome people talk about awesome things. Cheers. I thought I could get away without taking a shower before the podcast. No one would know. And now I'm looking at my picture and I'm like, oh, they they all know. And now hey, I said so. So they definitely know now. They definitely know now that you're a stinky boy. Lebo's known for being a stinky boy. It's part of his shtick. Uh, but it's honest. Yeah. I usually tell them, uh, you know, most comedians, you can see them or hear them. I'm a treat for all the senses. You know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what, though, man? I'm yeah. realizing something lately. So my, my four-year-old son started preschool last Monday. This is week two. Holy and- shit. Congrats. Yeah, yeah, man. It's it's, it's cool. He's, he's adjusting very well. It's long days, full day, which is crazy to me for four-year-old preschool. But I'm understanding a lot of times why you didn't always shower because I had a day uh, the other day where I didn't shower because, you know, I, I had to set my alarm for like six in the morning to get his 
you know, I got to get his breakfast ready. I got to get him ready. And then my other two-year-old son, he comes for the ride. So I'm waking up two kids and, you know, it's very early in the morning and I'm like, fucking, I'm skipping a shower. And then you do it one day thinking, ah, one day, no big deal. And then the next morning you're like, again, I'll, I'll put some deodorant on. I'll brush my teeth. I'll, I'll get my hair wet. You know what I mean? I'm doing the old Polish shower, as they say. No offense, Polish listeners. And it starts to it starts to make sense why you skip the shower here or there because you're just too damn tired and who are you trying to impress anyway? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I used to uh, – it's it's the funny thing, like, when you don't have kids, it's like you think you can bust someone's balls who does have kids about how, like, disheveled they are or, like, how, you know, how smelly or gross or fat or whatever. And it's just like – it's just like these people don't understand that they are children. And so like what, you know, if you don't have children, like you are a child. And so what you're saying to me, like, you don't know what you're talking about. You, you know, you can, you can think you're assassinating my, my character, but really like all you have to do all day is like wake up, jack off, play video games and take a shower. And then you think, you know, something about life. You don't know anything. You're a fucking, you're a child. So Dude, I love you always just roll right off my back. Yeah, you always give a good nugget of wisdom there. You're a child until you have a, have children. Also, by the way, um, waking up, jacking off, and playing video games—that's pretty great. I miss that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, being a kid is great. You don't have to do anything, um, but uh, you know, it's fun. But um, yeah, I mean, it's like you don't you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we don't. And I was like that. I remember giving you a hard time sometimes when you would be smelly. I remember going from. You know, we'd be a comedy bar together and then trying to walk over to Walgreens because you needed deodorant that you yeah, had, I had to be Febreze before the show. <laughs> yeah, we'd Febreze you. You used yeah. to wear this checkered, it looked like a tablecloth <laughs> material. Restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looked like an Italian restaurant's tablecloth. And that was like your collared shirt. And yeah. you would literally have stink lines coming off of it. You were like a cartoon. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. So when you're when you don't do your laundry. You'll pick up a, a dirty piece of uh, attire, right? You know, you uh, a shirt or whatever. And, like, it doesn't seem like it's dirty. And then you put it on. You know, you smell it. It's like, oh, okay, it's fine. And then you put it on. And then your own body heat reactivates the smell in the clothes. So, like, you go out the door and you realize what you've done. But now it's too late because you're out. So you can't fix it. So that would happen to me from time to time. Yeah, I've been there. And here, here's some advice for everyone listening. Uh, some some value you could take away. I now have a kit that I keep in my car. I got a little deodorant. I have uh, some mouthwash, mm -hmm. uh, hand sanitizer, which I think everyone's been carrying with them anyway. Sure. Some of this was because, you know, I sneak some cigarettes here or there and I wanted to cover it up from the wife, Ooh, you know? Yeah. Very much listening. Listening to the podcast, by the way, I could admit to, to murdering a whole family of people and she would never know. Uh, she would mm -hmm. not listen to the podcast. But, you know, by the way, if you're one of those people who, who sneak them, you, your fingers, it's all over the fingers. So, and then uh, yeah, the thing I had cool. to add, I got a little, little tiny scissors because, dude, my nose hairs have been out of control lately. Yeah. And as soon as I cut one, three longer ones come back. It's embarrassing. And yeah. I, I just don't, yeah, I hit 30, like I'm 36 now. So a couple of years ago, I think it's really been just out of whack. You got yeah, a mustache though, so they might blend in with you, huh? No, I don't know. I mean, I see them and they look unruly and I, I scissors, I should try that. I yank them out and it hurts. It hurts, but it's like, there's something like purifying about the pain. Cause they have these, like you pull out a nose hair and it's like white at the root. It's like, it's yep. got like a little bulb at the bottom of it. And it, you know, I mean, it's really, you're yanking something that really wants to stay where it is. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost like it's almost like the closest I get to like a victory in battle or something is like yanking a yanking a nose hair out by its root. Your eyes water up. I've done it. Or a few times where I'm, like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm crying now. Yeah, it's like, right. You get in touch with your feelings. It's good. It's crazy. Um, but that's a that's a smart idea. Having the kid in the car. I mean, I definitely always carry deodorant in my car. I mean, I sleep in my car a lot. I have a pillow in my car. Um, yes, everyone, you need to follow Lebo on TikTok. Lebo gives great uh, little tidbits on life, just tons of wonderful life hacks, plus uh, wonderful comedy. And the, the life hacks are comedy. You are a legendary car napper. Can you explain to the average listener who might not understand what I mean by Lebo being a car napper? Well, I mean, so like I sleep in my car, 
that's, no, it's, that, that's simple to explain. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty easy. So like, but I, the reason is because I have kids, right? So like the kids will, you know, they wake up early and they want something. And like daddy was out working last night. So, you know, the car is always there. And the nice thing about the car is, you know, you can recline the seat and you can take it wherever you want to go, you know, so, which is usually just, you know, down the block or away somewhere you know, where you can't be interrupted. But I, I refer to my car as my mobile nap chamber. Um, and then I give, you know, I do online. I've actually took the summer off because I was trying to be really present with my family. I took the summer off of social media, but they went back to school today. So I'm as of today, I'm back. And I give, um, yeah, I just sort of give advice about, uh, you know, there's different things that come up, car naps in different kind of weather. Do you want to leave the engine running? Do you want to, you know, do you want the windows down? Do you, you know, how do you want to, you, you always want to park in the shade. And one tip that I'll just give for free is um, if you uh, if you're parking in the city and you want to take a nap in, in a city, um, if you park in a no parking zone and you're asleep in your car, you're going to be fine. But if you park in a no standing zone, even if you're in your car asleep, you can still get a ticket. So I just want everyone to know that no parking, green light, no standing, red light. Okay, that's 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 a pretty good tidbit there. Yeah. Have you ever had someone like bang on the window and be like, "Hey, wake up"? Um, I've had people like honk at me because they want to park in my spot. So that's another thing too is like you have to make sure that you don't have your foot on the brake. If you have the engine, say it, say it's summertime. You're having a summertime car nap. You got to have the engine on. You got to have the uh, AC running. Okay, you can't. You have to put the Put it in park, put the parking brake on. I mean, obviously, always put it in park if you're going to be sleeping in your car. But put the parking brake on. Take your foot off the brake. It's very natural to just, like, leave your foot on the brake while you're napping in your car. But then your brake lights are going to be on. And then everyone who comes by and wants your parking spot is going to honk at you to see if you're leaving. So that's very important. That is important. You know, I... It's tough when you see a car like on a, on a street, the residential street, or even a, like a busier street. My, I have a thing that really does drive me nuts. If you are in a crowded parking lot, because one of my favorite comedy clubs, the Improv Out in Schaumburg, Illinois, which is part mm -hmm. of the Woodfield Mall, which I believe is like the fourth biggest mall in the country. It's pretty huge. Keep sliding down that list every time I hear it. Give it a number, though. Used to be first and then second and then well i know yeah. mall of america was always kind of number one but it was it was top three but i think it slid down the list who knows it's, they're it's all huge. in china all the biggest malls are probably in china right now but anyway yeah maybe the biggest in the country then you're right okay so it's a big ass mall yes yeah. <laughs> whenever i do i feel like i seem to i get booked there like twice a year which i'm very grateful for but mm -hmm. one weekend is always in december and the Ooh. christmas shopping season is insane at this mall and you can't find parking. Right. So like, you know, I'll be going to the gig and I'm like, I got to get a spot here and I can't stand the people who get to their car and they take, look, I understand you got to warm up your car a little bit, but there are some people where I'm like, are you, are you responding to people? Are you catching up with correspondence? What are you doing? Emails in there? Uh -huh. Because I'm now uh -huh. waiting a considerable uh, amount of time for you to get the fuck out of that spot. Right. That you're, I can't stand. You're trying to go to work and here's Lebo fucking taking a nap. Yeah. I it's car nappers like <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, 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 they yeah, just yeah. did a lot of Christmas shopping. They're not ready to go back to their family. Maybe the in-laws are in town and they're just hitting snooze. But you got to, yeah, I know. And I understand it's frustrating, but you know, it's always, it's always uh, valuable to examine the other person's perspective. So yeah, they're annoying, but they're not there to annoy you. They have their own story about, uh, you know, estrangement from their family or, you know, fantasies about estrangement from their family or, you know, what have you. So, you know, it's always, I think that's the key with anger in general is to like take into account the other person's perspective, you know. That's true. You know what? I, I like that too, because I could segue into this. You know, a lot of people, longtime listeners know that I've been working on my anger. Um, um, I'm kind of, I've, I'm notorious in some circles for having a bad temper, which I've always said, Hey, look, there's a difference between having a bad temper and being like an angry person because I don't consider myself an angry person. I consider my default setting to be kind of like a happy, silly guy yeah. uh, who then just snaps, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the bad temper. But like, you know, like an angry person is like, you know, some racist who thinks the government's out to get them and they're like living in their crazy world. Like that's like walking around right. with real so red, red faced muttering to themselves all the time. Yeah. 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 No, no, you're a very laid back guy, but then um, you do get these like sudden, um, sudden uh, rushes 
of anger, which can be either hilarious or terrifying, depending on the context. Yeah, I know. It's a real fine line. Yeah. <laughs> Some people be like, I really enjoyed that. And other people were like, you need fucking help, dude. That was awful. Well, you no, it's poker funny. night. I mean, it's like watching you on stage. Like, a lot, I think a lot of your comedy comes from stuff that you're angry about, right? Yes, Something right. that made you angry and you, you wrote a, a series of jokes about it. And that actually helps you process the anger probably, right? But, but then you sort of recreate that emotional state on stage when you do the bit and it's very funny. Right. But then I have also seen other times where you have like a literal like anger meltdown on stage and it sort of like starts being similar. But then at some point when it becomes clear that it's real, it turns into, you know, then it's something else. Now it's like, oh, shit, Joe is angry instead of like, oh, shit, Joe's pretending to be angry, you know, or. Yeah, it's a it's a it's. No, you know, every now and then I've pulled it off where I'm like, oh, I was legit angry, but the audience thought it was part of the act. Okay. But for the most part, you guys, people who know me well enough know, I remember doing a show once where I, I was legit fucking pissed and my younger sister was there with some friends and I like threw the microphone down in anger to be like, I'm walking off this fucking stage. Fuck all this garbage. Um, Cause it was a show where like nobody was really running the show and I, I, I people there to see me and it was like drunks were wandering into the room and everything was just bad. And I remember after I spiked the mic down, I picked it up and was just like, I can't believe you guys all bought that. And then the audience kind of laughed a little and then I, <laughs> yeah. well, they, I mean, they started to get it and then I was able to do a joke or two to kind of salvage the whole set. But I remember my sister being like, you fooled them. You didn't fool me. I know you were really pissed. Right. Um, so it's a funny thing about like when things go off the rails on stage, like um, I, th this is just from my own experience. It's like, um, say there's a heckler or just like something weird is going on in the room. Um, I've noticed that like for me personally, like as long as I don't get angry, I can say anything and it's okay. And people will laugh. I can use, I can use the C word. I can, you know, I can say all of the worst possible things, but as long as like, it's not, it's not coming from a place of anger, the audience will go with it and they'll laugh because they understand that it's like pretend anger or whatever. But then if I actually do get angry or rattled on stage, it's almost like there's nothing that I can say. The audience will just like clam up right away because they can sense, I think that energetic emanation from the performer like way more astutely than they even know that they can. They're like picking up on stuff they don't even know they're picking up on. And so it's almost like the words that you say don't really matter. They're receiving something from you at like a more base level. Do you feel that at all? Or is that just, I do feel like that. And, and you're right. Sometimes the words don't matter. Uh, I've, I've listened to playbacks of sets where I'm like, I totally messed up those words to the mm -hmm. point where if you read it, it means something different but they were following along and with the energy and the, the moment, the, you know, whatever you're illuminating, they, they still laughed when they were supposed to laugh, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, almost yeah. like there were, there was something once where I saw, I was getting passed around the internet where it's like, read this and find the mistake and nobody could find the mistake, even though the mistake was then obvious once it was pointed out because everyone knew the intention of what the post was or whatever. Um, oh, well, that's usually the tricks where it'll say like on a different line, it'll say and twice or something. Like yes. That. There's a lot of those kind of tricks. Yeah. That's the example I think I was looking for. Uh, but yeah, dude, you're right. I honestly, I had one time where a few of the comedians, some of our friends, I think it, like Marty DeRosa and a few people saying like, dude, you handled that amazing because the old you would have snapped and would have gotten really bad, but you like took care of that heckler or that whoever was disrupting the show or whatever the situation was. There was a time at the laugh factory, I was doing the late show, you know? Um, so it's, and I was going up, I think last yeah, last. And so it was almost like, you know, 1 a.m. at this point. And a comic, a newer comic, uh, this dude, Alex, who, who goes up now, he's really funny, but he's still pretty new at the time. He'd done a joke about cancer. The thing is, though, he had cancer and he beat it. And he was talking about his experience with cancer. So he's allowed to make that joke. Right. I come up like a comic or two later, or maybe I was the very next comedian. And the right before I could even say hello to the audience, like I'm taking the mic out of the stand this woman who was maybe third row and loud. So the whole crowd could hear her was like, don't make any fucking cancer jokes before uh -huh. I could say anything. And I didn't know he made, I like, you know, I then found out through the course of talking to the, to her and then the comics yelling in the back about the cancer joke, because I was like, what the fuck? What a weird ass thing to say. Yeah. Like, like how did she know you were about to do 20 minutes on cancer? 
that was the whole she ruined the whole set i had cancer holocaust abortion like all of it and she mm-hmm. just screwed me over but no of course not um but i remember just being like what the fuck and then someone yelled out like alex did cancer joke and i'm like alex had cancer so what the fuck and then it was just such a thing where she was getting loud i was i just kept calm and i remember something in my head being like just chill let her hang herself meaning she'll mm-hmm. keep saying dumb shit and the audience will take your side she even busted out her phone no i think i did a joke about like the murder rate in chicago and then she like took out her phone and i'm like why do you oh you're filming me now is that what you're doing she's like yeah you think the murder rate is funny you think murders in chicago are hilarious i'm like where the fuck did you pick that up from the joke you know she wasn't listening and she was trying to get me and so while she was filming me i was like here's my fucking name joe kilgown i'm saying my website i'm saying all this shit because i know if she tried to share it people would probably just be on my side and I think Marty Rosa was hosting and he came on the stage being like, man, having a kid has chilled that man out. If you mm-hmm. had done that just a year and a half ago, he would have called you a cunt seven times out of his first eight words. Like I was just like, oh God, um, which is very true. So there's something about, I was a kid before I had kids. It goes right back to your yeah. Family, Bo. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Dude, crowds are tough, man. Like I, um, I just did the comedy bar like last month and it was the first time I had headlined a club. Um, since, um, you know, in like a year and a half or whatever. Um, I just like, you know, I hadn't been doing stand up and then I started doing stand up again, but I was just doing short sets in New York. And then that was the first time I was like, oh shit, I have to do like 40 minutes or whatever. And at first I was like, I was worried about it. I was like, am I going to be able to do this? And I like went through like jokes and like put together a set and I was like, okay, I guess I'll do this. And then I like, I went up the first night and I was like, oh, I got this. Yeah, this is easy. It's no problem. And then late show Friday night came and there was this uh, bachelorette party, like sitting like right up up front. And um, they were just like, just totally checked out, just like having their own conversation at the table the whole time, but very loudly so that I couldn't, hear myself think and and then like so they're talking and then everyone else in the crowd starts talking about how they're talking and it was just you know it's just like chatter everywhere and I could like right and I couldn't and I realized that I was like oh shit like okay like part of the skill is like remembering your jokes and saying them well and but there's also this whole other part of it and it's like I don't remember how to do this like I couldn't remember how to deal with that I think there used to be a time where I would have been able to do it. Um, but, and hopefully there will be again, although I just like kind of don't even want to deal with that bullshit anymore. But um, part yeah, of me is like, yeah. am I too old for this shit? Like, I don't want to be babysitting bachelor parties. I'm like, I'm over it. I want to just do shows for people who want to see the show. Which I think is totally fine to do. I, I've been at the stage where, you know, the pandemic, uh, you know, missing, not being able to do what we love for that long a period of time was, you know, the first wave, I was like, we're all grounded. Yeah, whatever. Then like things opened up a little bit and, and then it closed mm-hmm. up again. And then that was just like, ah, because when it opened up a little bit, you know, I've probably said this on the podcast before. We all felt like, you know, drug addicts where we're like, oh, we got that needle back in us. No, we want more. We're, 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 we're dying for it. Are you talking about before the vaccines or after? You're talking about before the vaccine before like i don't yeah. know how new york was but in chicago everything was closed basically from you know second week of march all the way till august and then in like august they let laugh factory zanies and you know like all these clubs open up at like 35 percent capacity right. or something so it was real small yeah, yeah. crowds sometimes the shows were like why are we even doing this um but it was but some of the shows were really fun and we did some outdoor rooftop shows and some you know other things and people were doing mm-hmm. comedy shows in like backyards and so you started to feel like a sense of oh this is good this is great you know and then that got taken away right around october of 2020 and you know because the the waves got out of control again and then things didn't open up kind of officially again until march but anyway the the point i was trying to make with that was that like it made me realize how short life is to the point where you know how some people are like, oh, I got to reach out to friends I haven't talked to in a while. It made me think life is so short. No, there's a reason I haven't talked to them. Okay. Sure, like, sure, sure, I, I got sure, sure. yeah, yeah. to keep my circle tighter and, and be more appreciative of those people. And the yeah. same with comedy shows. It's like it used to be, oh, I'll do a show anytime, anywhere. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm perfecting my craft and I want to perform in front of adverse conditions and I want the challenges and I want to I be everywhere. And now yeah. it's like, fuck that room. I'm not going there. 
right? Yeah. I don't want to do that show. That show sucked the last time I did it. Those people are dumb. I'm not doing that. And you, you start to get to that point because you value your time. Your time is so, uh, that's the most valuable commodity. If, if we haven't learned anything from these last 18 months and change. Yeah, dude, I, I can't, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, it's like, yes, on the one hand, it does make you want to, I mean, just, yeah, that, that idea that this time is finite. And for me also, like I turned 40 during the pandemic too. So it's like, there's like, that it's like oh shit i'm halfway done you know but i so i think part of it comes with aging but also just like that sense of reflection of like yeah like we only have so much time let's be smart with how we use it let's let's not just like throw shit at the wall and see what sticks you know like let's like choose what part of the wall should have feces on it and put shit there specifically you know and i've been also thinking about um just like um, being smarter with my money, like, right. Like rather than just like not thinking about money, like no thinking about money and like trying to make more money than I spend and then trying to save that money or, or you know, whatever, just like trying to be smarter with my money. And then when you, of course, when you realize that time is money, which it is, um, yeah. then that also means that you have to be smart about how you use your time because it's actually means the same thing. And um, I had never really put those two things together. Like I'm always like, yeah, I should be smart with my time. And yeah, I should be smart with my money. But, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it. And then realizing that those two things are actually the same thing was sort of like a realization that I had just like a week or two ago. When when thinking about this kind of shit, it's like, why do, why do I want to spend my time dealing with, um, you know, like a drunk bachelorette party? Like, I just don't want to. And also like, why should I spend, I had this like vacation that I planned with some people that I like, it's like, you know, it cost me a ton of money to go there. And then it like totally sucked. And then I was like, why am I? And so I set aside all this time and all this money to do this thing that I didn't even really want to do, but I had agreed that I had done. And it's just like, yeah, just like, it feels so good to just be like, oh, I just like, don't ever have to do that again. You know? Yeah, the the great uh, philosopher uh, Lady Gaga said <laughs> that there is a lot of power in saying no. There really was a viral clip of her talking. She was in some interview, and she talked about uh, she felt like she gained a lot of like she got herself back by learning how to say no to things. Like, no, I don't want to go to that. No, I won't. You know what I mean? Just like, and it's you know a lot of people associate no with you being a bad person, you being a dick. It's not, that's not the case. You could say no nicely, of course. Like, you know, people who know me, listen to this podcast, know I'm a huge Cubs fan. I started to do a daily Cubs podcast for this big sports network, podcast network called Lockdown Cubs. And it was great for a while. And then the time commitment of it became way too much. It was taken away from this podcast, which is still my number one baby. And, you know, I took an August hiatus from this podcast. And then it was also taken away from all this other stuff I wanted to do. And as much as I love the Cubs and the Cubs were something I leaned into more during the pandemic because there was no stand up, I want to be a great stand up comedian. I don't right. want to be some gigantic Cubs commentator. I then had to t tell myself, you know what I mean? Like right, right, doing it right. on the side and popping on the local sports radio station to talk about the Cubs here or there and throwing out some tweets. That's all good and fun. But I want to be a fan. Like I, I, and then I right. became a commentator and a Cubs pundit and people would tag me being like, Joe, what do you think of this new move? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, you know I mean, I mean, thank you. I appreciated the, the people like my opinion. I really did. But then it just became so much to the point where I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah. And it reminded me of this fucking Will Smith interview. I'm just, by the way, Lady Gaga, Will Smith. These are where, these are my new, these yeah, are the, the greats of Western civilization. Yes. These are, yes. These are the masters of Western civilization. Uh, Will Smith said something in an interview where it's like, don't have a plan B because all it does is take away from your plan A. And I don't even think mm -hmm. that's his quote. I think he was quoting. No, that's, I'm not, I mean, I think that's, I've heard that from David Mamet. Um, and I don't yeah, even I think know he was, if he was the first someone. one who said it, but yeah. Yeah, Will Smith definitely was in. And now that I think about it, it might have been Confucius. Who <laughs> knows? I don't know if Confucius. Right, said. right, right. Yeah. No, you know what Confucius said that I believe Will Smith quoted in the same interview? A person who says they can and a person who says they can't are usually right. Uh-huh. Which I kind of like that one. You yeah. Because I, I I know some people, a mutual friend of ours who I won't name on air, I was telling him, I'm like, we should be trying to do this. And he was just like, I don't think we could do that. And I'm like, well, you got this defeatist attitude before you even try. Um, so what's the point? You know, no, that's that's yeah, that's sort of one of my stock lines is whenever somebody suggests that they can't do something, I always say like, yeah, well, not with that attitude, you can't. And I, I think it's true. 
You know, it yeah. is true. It's it, it does sound like you're being a little bit like, you know, oh, sure. Not with that attitude. You're not like, you know, it sounds like a teacher, but we forget sometimes teachers are pretty good. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we we hated them for um, trying to help us. They're and, not all uh, dumb bitches ruining recess, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, most of them were, but they were doing it for our own good. I mean, that that's part of the thing when you become a parent, too, is you're just like, oh, like you weren't doing this to be a pain in the ass you are doing this so that like, I would be a, like a better person. And that, you know, that comes back to the, uh, you know, recognizing the other person's perspective as the basis of, you know, their anger when you're angry, right? It's like, you always, you, the childish view of the world is to interpret everything as like uh, directed at you. Um, but, you know, really everyone else is a, complete being that has their own purpose for doing what they're doing. And if you can see what that is, you may or may not agree with it, but it, it gives you a lot more perspective. Yeah. I'm trying to have more of that. Like I saw someone post the other day about, they're trying to be funny, but it was something like, I don't know. They shared some dumb meme where it's, you know, wearing a mask in your car is like, you know, wearing a condom to go to sleep or something. I don't know. It was kind of, kind of a mm -hmm. dumb thing. And here's what I've noticed, though, because I, I, you'll see a lot of people be like, you see these idiots who wear masks in their cars when they're by themselves. And I'm like, I think a lot of it's I, I've caught myself. You know, you run into a grocery store to get a couple things. You go back into the car, you're driving. You're like, oh, I got my mask on still. I didn't even realize. And then you take it off or whatever. And I see, and then I realize, oh, I just drove by a bunch of people who probably think, oh, look at these fucking idiot sheep piece of shit wearing a mm -hmm. mask in his car. And it's like, no, dickhead. I'm running errands. I forgot to take it off. I know I don't need to wear a mask in my car. Okay, mm -hmm. but why are you being such a judgy little piece of right. shit? I well, think everyone needs to stop being such judgy. They they think we're gonna be like, oh, I better wear a mask or I'm gonna give COVID to myself. Like, I mean, yeah, what, that's what, what they, do think. they think we're thinking. Yeah, no, or maybe it's an Uber driver. They just drop somebody off, or whatever. yeah, yeah. or maybe you just forgot to take it off, or whatever the fuck the reason is. I don't know. Or maybe you know like, I mean? like they're ugly as shit and they don't want to see their face in the mirror, and finally they have an excuse. Yeah, dude, I actually really kind of like the mask in a sense because i wear a hat and then i wear the mask dude i'm incognito and it's not that i don't want people thinking that i'm worried about people recognizing me as a canadian i still live on the part of the city i grew up in so there was a stretch of time where i would run into a dunkin donuts and run into someone i know and run into like anywhere and you bump into someone you know and sometimes it's fun to bump into someone you haven't seen in a long time you're like hey how the fuck are you and other times it's like oh shit all right. And that's different nowadays. I was trying to explain this to my dad who's not on social media. I'm like, if you ran into, a, you know, I have, and he's in his 60s, but I'm like, if you ran into someone you knew from high school, you wouldn't mind chatting a little bit. The problem is the people I run into from high school or grade school or from some job I used to have, I know their opinions on things because of social media. Mm -hmm. I became Facebook friends with them or whatever, and I, I know how they are now. So when I bump into them, there's no fun catching up. There's usually, I know you still suck, and now I have to, see you face to face so with the mask on i had it once dude i was at a target and someone yelled kill gallon i kept walking it felt great <laughs> <laughs> and that's the diversion of lady gaga saying no yeah it is <laughs> you said I no just to kept your going. own identity like that is not i am not joe kill gallon today Fuck i yeah. say no to joe kill gallon in this target <laughs> everyone <laughs> practice saying no it feels good <laughs> let me ask you, this you know thing, what though. oh yeah go ahead oh no yeah. go ahead go ahead well, I was just I was just going to say with the mask, I sometimes have this experience of I'll meet somebody when we're both wearing masks. And then, you know, like as the vaccinations have rolled on or whatever, like um, you'll see them without a mask. And I've just, I just I think it's interesting. They never look like what you thought they would look like. Like their lower face is always different than you thought it was going to be. And I just think it's fascinating. Like I I, there, there's this one girl I, I met her like six times and then I saw her without her mask and I was like, oh, that. You you have a much more prominent chin than I would have guessed, or what? You know what I mean? Like it's just that's all, dude. Think about the dating scene out there, man. You are really putting a lot of money on from the nose to the to the hairline of how good looking someone's face could be. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of nice, too. Like you get to meet people with just their eyes, and you have this sort of like more pure interaction of you know just just pure window to the soul back and forth. And it's like less about like what the total shape looks like. And then you take off the mask and it's like, okay, but you already know this person now. So it's, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. Yeah. I feel bad for people with shitty eyes. 
This is not a good time. Not a good time to have shitty eyes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. If you have a lazy yeah. eye or you have your cross eye, no, it's this is not your this is not your era. You were not built it, for COVID. So you got nice, you got nice warm eyes. You know, you got really your eyes, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're brown, uh, which I sparkle, hate. No, they're not brown. No, they're they're hazel? Not brown. They're green. They're like, yeah, hazel, green. Hazel blue. green. I like yeah. that. But no, you you got like kind eyes. Uh now that I think about it, talking about eyes. Is there anyone out there who's like, has anyone ever described someone saying, dude, they are very hot shit eyes though. I mean, just, I mean, yeah, I can, I can think of some people who are like, you know, like generally attractive, but have beady little rodent eyes. And I won't name any of them on this podcast, but I bet if you think hard enough, you could think of at least one. I probably could, but they're just not sticking out to me right now. Any famous people? Any famous people out there? You're like, ooh, bad eyes. Great. No, I don't think you get to. (laughs) Right. Great jaw, terrible eyes. Yeah, I don't think they make it that far up. They don't make it to marquee status, probably, if you don't have good eyes. Yeah, and that's something people need to accept. Look, if you're going to be on the big screen, they're going to want you to look good. At least you don't have to be amazing looking. But think about it. Even character actors are pretty solid looking people. Yeah, no, I know. Yes, it, it right. is true. Yep. And they always have, even if they have like weird features, they always have these like perfect teeth, perfect like white teeth, which is weird to me. Like, I think it's, I want to like, if we could get enough people on board with this, like stop bleaching your teeth. It looks fucking weird. Teeth are yellow. And so you have, now you see like a 50 year old man and he smiles and his teeth are the picture, are the, are the color of like piano keys. And it just looks unnatural. It's like, stop doing it. Teeth are not white. Um, And we're given this impossible standard of beauty. That's just like, yeah, it's like someone went on Photoshop and like fucked with you. It doesn't look good. There are some people whose teeth are ridiculously white and it's clearly fake. Yeah. I, I understand that a little bit. They open their mouth and you're a bit like, Ooh, you know, yeah. um, I respect good teeth though. My wife's got very white teeth. My teeth are all right, but um, like I brush them every day, but she's got some, some very white teeth that are natural. But yeah, I, I know what you mean, man, because there are, there are some celebrities where you're just like, tone it the fuck down. Yeah. Do you remember that show? The Swan on Fox. It's about 10 years old. It was, it, yeah, I didn't watch the, it, but I remember I'm, I know the name of the show. At the time, like it seemed like our sort of like running man moment, like the sort of like, it seemed like our civilization, like reaching its, you know, the, the logical, uh, its logical conclusion where like, this has to be the last thing before everything goes away. But it was like, they'd have all these ugly people on and they'd give them all plastic surgery and then they'd have a, a beauty contest. And it was like really, really sick. Um, but one thing they gave all of them, you know, they'd say, okay, we're going to give you breast augmentation, liposuction, hair plugs. The one thing everyone got was Da Vinci veneers on that show. Everyone got Da Vinci veneers. And yeah, I mean, it made them, it gave them those like ridiculous Hollywood teeth that look super fake. Wait, was this a reality show or a scripted show? It was a reality show. Oh my God. That's yeah, it was horrific. a really, really sick reality show. Yeah. I, I remember the name of a show called Swan, but I didn't know it was, that was the premise. Yeah. No, they took a bunch of ugly people and then gave them plastic surgery and then made them have a beauty contest. God, and- you know, what did you feel horrible? I'm trying to, you know, it's obvious to look at it from that person's perspective, but they wanted the plastic surgery. So of course they auditioned, but what do you feel bad if you were the parents of one of those people? And you're like, fuck, you think you're so ugly that you're going on this horrible show you know, you're a good person. So what if your mom and I weren't the best looking people and we couldn't make you good looking enough? I don't know. I feel like that would hurt me a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. Like every, people are just like want to be on TV. I, I, I don't even know. Maybe now it's different with social media. That was like before you could be an influencer or whatever. So like, yeah, people were just so fucking thirsty for fame. And then you'd like win, you'd be crowned the swan, you know, and you'd win the trophy. If you won, they'd be like trying to cry, but they like didn't have any tear ducts because of the surgery. So it'd just be like fucking weird. That's fucking hilarious, dude. Um, I saw this thing earlier and I wanted to bring it up to you because it always makes me laugh. George Carlin. Of course, one of the greatest comedians of all time. I feel like most people would agree upon that. Yeah, he was all right. He, yeah, he's all right. You know, every few months, one of his old jokes goes viral because it relates to something today. Uh huh. And I just, I noticed nobody ever, yeah, he's got all these great philosophical jokes that are social commentary and, and they're wonderful. But when is someone going to share one of his perverted 
fucking dick jokes because he has a million of those too. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many modern people who don't realize that half of George Carlin's act was as you know, kind of like David Tell in a lot of ways. Like I think David Tell is an amazing comedian and a prolific joke writer, but for every like joke that's like a fucking cool good point, like you know, that's societal related in a way, he's got a bunch of jokes about like jerking off on you know his stomach and stuff like that. Like Sure. I, I, I think about this today because I had a moment that I, I lived a George Carlin joke. George Carlin has a joke where it's like, you ever notice you never sneeze while you're taking a piss because you'll blow out your asshole or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I did that today. I sneezed while taking a piss and I did get a little, I got a little wild in the strike zone, you know, but uh-huh. Uh-huh. I didn't blow out my asshole. And I remember being like, why isn't that George Carlin clip going viral? But instead, it's the one about how Republicans aren't really pro-life. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, come right. on, let's, let's, let's share it all. That's funny. Um, I, I have two things. First of all, um, I think David Tell is a great comic, obviously. I wouldn't put him in the same category, social commentary-wise, as George Carlin. No, I, think, I guess like, he doesn't really a lot more of these Women, you got to take it easy with these hand jobs. You're, you're too rough. I feel like you're trying to pull a younger, more attractive version of me out of me or whatever. You know. Yeah, you're right. I guess It's, it's a lot of those, those kinds of jokes. But um, with Carlin, I, I agree with you. There is a lot of, uh, yeah, just like dick and fart jokes. Um, although I think later on in his career, it was less of that. But also... Um, you see all these people sharing stuff about, you know, like Republicans don't really care about women or, you know, whatever, you know, but you don't see people sharing the, you don't see people sharing on social media, this stuff about how much he hates environmentalists or whatever, where he's got like a whole rant of like, Oh, I hate these people. Save the trees, save the flowers, save, you know, he's like, fuck these people. Um, so he has a lot of that shit too. That's he's not like partisan, you know, he's just like, joke. Yeah, he's got a joke about how people shouldn't vote. He's a he was against voting. Right. You know, he thought voting was stupid. He goes, I don't vote. You know what I mean? And and his whole thing was like people who say, like, you gotta vote, you gotta participate and all that. And and he's wrong there. You should vote. So that, that's the thing, too. Whenever people I can admit Carlin's a really funny guy, but I don't hold everything he says like it's fucking gospel. That's what kills me about some celebrities when it comes to comedians and musicians there are people who are so obsessed with them that it's like well you know carlin said this and i'm like oh okay so you have to do it is that what you're talking about right well you, even the smartest people are wrong about lots of stuff uh, yeah you know <laughs> um <laughs> another carlin thing though that got me a little annoyed was that so the abortion joke is from his 1996 album that i think is back in town i think that's the name of the album and it opens the opening joke. Well, it opens with some guy playing a saxophone, but uh, the first line out of his mouth got cut from the viral abortion joke because the joke's called abortion. It basically says like, you know, um, if you're pre-born, they love you, but if you're preschooled, you're fucked. And he talks about like, if they're not really pro-life and all this shit. And he goes, they don't help you. As soon as you're out of the, if, if you're a fetus, they love you as you're a baby, you're on your fucking own, all that. And it's, it's a great joke. And there's a lot of really good points to it, but the opening line, that is such an amazing opening line, especially for an, a special. He opens, he goes, why? why? The audience doesn't know where he's going with this. He goes, why, why, why is it that the people who are against abortion are people you want to want to fuck in the first place? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a really good line, especially for 1996. And it does kill, but they cut that line out of the joke that's been shared all over the place. And I know it's because a bunch of people will be like, why is he ugly shaming people? Why is he, you know, I mean, like I go, Oh, you fucks. You couldn't even like let that little part in there. You had to like purify his joke. Yeah. yeah, The funniest part of the joke you had to let go. Right. It reminds me of, um, you know, Jeff Asmus's uh, uh, abortion joke about I'll fuck it up. I don't know. It's abortion joke though. It's, oh God, I'll fuck it up, but it's really funny. It's just like um, talking about how like, I mean, now the Texas law is a thing people are talking about, but I think at the time it was Alabama passed some really restrictive abortion law. And he's like, why is it that the states that pass these restrictive abortion laws are always the states where abortion should be mandatory? Uh, (laughs) And he's like, everyone in Alabama looks like they survived an abortion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great joke. Yeah, yeah he's hilarious, awesome. man. I've been doing a lot. Of, Dude, he's fucking lot. great, man. He's so funny. He is very. I got to get him on, actually. I'm yeah, you should him. have him on. Yeah, yeah. There's he's... like a list of really funny comics in Chicago that when I see them, I'm like, fuck, I should have them on the podcast. And then when it comes time to book in the podcast, I totally I forget. But yeah, Jeff's <laughs> got to be on the top of the list now, man. That dude is really, really funny. 
Um, Lebo, I want to do this thing with you called five good ones in which I've been doing. I don't think you, when you were on the podcast last, I didn't do this with you. Um, no, last time I was on the whole thing was a good one, but yeah, I mean, let's, let's start now. Okay. Yeah. I, I started doing a thing called five good ones about four or five months ago and, or yeah, maybe six months ago, which is kind of a fun way to end the podcast. So I've got these questions for you. I start a little obvious and then it gets sillier and whatnot, but here's your first one. Okay. First question of five good ones. What has been your favorite moment in your comedy career? I know it's a tough <laughs> one, so you could take your time with it. You give me a couple, even my favorite moment in my comedy career. Wow. Um, these questions I should send in advance because <laughs> they're a little loaded. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, um, besides doing this podcast. Yeah, besides doing, well, obviously. Was it being on a boat with James Vanderbeek? No, it was not being on a boat <laughs> uh, with James Vanderbeek and not recognizing James Vanderbeek. Um, you know, I think maybe um, maybe it was my uh, my going away show at Timothy O'Toole's where I host headlines and uh, like tried to hang myself with my belt from the ceiling. Um, I, don't I was know. in LA. I'll I take that. that show, but I heard it was oh, pretty legendary. Um, yeah, I don't really remember it very well, but I remember enjoying it. Um, so you hosted and headlined? Yeah, yeah, I hosted. Yeah, I hosted it and I headlined it. That's and it was fun. just like it was just like a wild party. I mean, I think that those are always my my favorite moments in general in um, stand up are like where I open my mouth and I don't know what's going to come out. And then, you know, just like seeing what happens. And I mean, I think you probably do that, too. Yeah. Um, uh, and so that show, I think, was probably mostly that. So um, I'll, I'll say that. And, um, you know, yeah, that's a I'll good answer. But it. no, it's yeah. another reason why people love watching you so much because we don't know what we're going to get out of you. You know, mm -hmm. I've seen your, I've seen you perform hundreds of times and I still feel like, you know, I'm never, I'm never quite sure what I'm going to see. I'm like, you might take his shirt off. He might sit in someone's lap and eat their appetizer. You know what I mean? Or, or and then say one of the most craziest, coolest jokes I've ever heard too. And well, all, I, yeah, I like the audience to be entertained, but also a little bit afraid. Yes. Um, it's never, never boring. It's um, never like safe. It. Never quite safe. Yeah. And you remind me my two of my favorite shows. These are probably two of my top five. One would have been my going away show moving from Chicago to LA. And then also on that list is my going away show moving from LA back to Chicago. Yeah. yeah. I guess the, the best parts of comedy are leaving where you are. Yeah. Both shows were incredible. Cause I think both of them, I know the LA one, I started to write down a set list and it was a packed, it was at the improv. It was comedians, you know, LA and it was packed, you know, uh, like regular audience and a lot of comedian friends who were like, Oh, it's shows last night. Let's go hang out, which was really cool of everyone. And I, and I love that. And I was thankful that they all came out, but I remember I started to write down my set list. And then as I was writing it down, I started, I scratched it out and I just wrote in big like letters as big as I can, who gives a fuck? Because it's like, dude, what are you trying to do? Put together the perfect set. Why, why am I trying to formulate one right. of your greatest hits for like, look, the audience, they're going to whatever. I mean, it's not like I was playing to the back of the room, but I definitely thought to myself, just go up there. Who gives a shit? Kick the fucking doors in. Be funny. The audience who's, who does never seen you before will, will love you for it. And then all your friends in the back will appreciate it, too, because it shows you're just trying to have a good time and and on a high note and it was awesome it was one of those you ever have one of those sets where people are texting you a few days later being like hey by the way you were amazing last thursday or whatever the hell yeah, yeah, yeah those yeah, feel yeah. the best i had because i did that show and then i got in the car and drove it back to chicago like the next supposed to leave in the morning but i got so drunk that i left at like 6 p.m at night i was literally trying to hit 9 a.m i left like that's pretty bad when you're so drunk you leave eight hours later than you're supposed to uh -huh. I remember for the next couple of days on the road, I'd be pumping gas and I'd get a text from someone being like, dude, that was fucking unbelievable. Again, I just want to tell you, I'm like, oh, I appreciate that, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I had one, um, like, uh, a few, I guess it was like two weeks after Esther was born. I think I, I opened for, uh, Lisa's Lisa Traeger's album recordings, uh, shows at, um, uh up? At, at up yeah and i had that was one of those shows where i had people like texting me um afterwards like wow like you're really doing something 
you know, different. Like it's really, that was, you know, that was amazing. I've never quite seen you like that. And it was, I think part of it was there were great shows. They were packed, they were hot crowds, but also like I just had this baby and I was just like, this nothing fucking matters. Like this yeah. is not, I had a, a sort of important realization, I guess about like, you know, for those just room, just for last used to do those um, shows in Chicago. Um, I did, uh, I was doing like one of their, big showcase nights or whatever. And I was backstage, like putting the set list together and getting super, um, you know, just like, Oh, I have to have the perfect set. I have to have the perfect set. And then I just sort of had this realization where I was like, well, actually the only way I could fuck this up is by like being uptight. So, and then I just sort of like let everything go and just like went out and had just had fun. I mean, you just have to have fun. Those are the best moments when you're just like having the most fun. I think a lot of us realize that too. Like with the going away shows, you're like, Hey, this is a party. If only we could be smart enough or good enough, whatever, to take that mentality to every set. It just always be like that. Yeah. 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 It's not, Although, it's a few, you got to write a joke too. You know, you got to write a joke too. But yeah. I remember after my show that at the LA show, Nick Vatterat said, probably should have been that guy the entire time you were here. Maybe you wouldn't be moving back. Um, and not that I was moving back because of, you know, not being able to hack it in LA. It was for family reasons, but it was really funny that he said that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I remember laughing my ass off when he said that. All right. Next question. Question number two. Second is, good one. What is your favorite American city? Besides ones you've lived in. Our just favorite city. Why does it have to be American? I don't know why I wrote American city. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I mostly just know the American ones. Yeah. I mean, obviously Chicago is my favorite city, but if I, if I have to pick a different one, um, I really like, um, I really like Cincinnati actually. Um, I don't know if I'm going to say it's my favorite city, but I always have a great time when I'm there. Um, I really like um, where are places where there. It's weird. I used to go on the road, and like every town I would go to, I'd be like, "Yeah, I could live here." Um, you know, I'd always like picture myself living here. Oh yeah, Pittsburgh, not bad. Um, <laughs> but um, I like Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Those are good towns. Um, I really, I like also like places like um, like uh, like I think Ann Arbor is a great town. Um, I like, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Minneapolis. Minneapolis is my favorite city. That's not Chicago. I think yeah. See, I've never spent long enough amount of time in Minneapolis to really kind of rank it. But from what I've heard, it's pretty great. I know a lot it's, of people who love it. It punches like way above its weight. Um, like just like in terms of the arts, um, for how many people it is, for how many people live there, it just has like too many good comedians, too many good musicians, too many good artists. It's yeah, it's Minneapolis is badass. Nice. Question number three. How old were you? And you don't have to answer this, I should say, but I think you will. At what age did you lose your virginity? I think I was 17. It's good. It's solid. It's probably what's that, the average age? Probably 17? Yeah, or 16. Oh, yeah, I was 17. Yeah. Very yeah, good. I don't know. I don't know if it's average or not, but that's was what I did. And um, did you orgasm? Yeah, like almost immediately. Okay, good job. I just want to make yeah. sure you. Had, <laughs> I just want to make sure you got pleasure out of it, Lebo. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I maybe left her a little disappointed, but it really was wasn't about her. Oh, it's so. with a woman. Okay, surprising. Um, well, she, she's <laughs> someone who asshole. uses female pronouns anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> If you could have any superpower, what superpower would you have? I could have a dork guy question. Yeah, yeah. If I could have any superpower, what superpower would I have? Um, I think that I would be a, um, I, I don't know, control, uh, read people's thoughts. Professor X shit. I like it. Yeah, reading people's thoughts would be pretty good. What about, I'd like to control them, maybe? That feels psychotic, though. I almost said that, and then I was like, why would I want that? Only a monster would want to control. I mean, reading their thoughts, though, that's... Yeah, I don't know. It seems like it would just, you'd have to be able to turn it off when you wanted to. Yeah, as long as you could turn it off. To just always be hearing people's thoughts all the time. 
Well, that's like in the comic books, Professor Xavier and Jean Grey, they both had that power. They'd go nuts because they all the voices in their head constantly because they, they couldn't, you know, sometimes they couldn't turn it off. But if you could control it where you could only hear it if you want to hear it, you know, like if you really, yeah. if you, if you say, hey, honestly, what do you think of Mike? And then, then you turn it on because then you could hear what they honestly think instead of them being like, oh, yeah, he's a good guy. I think it's cute that he's smelly. But really, you hear, you hear what they really think, which is like, I secretly am in love with him and want to hold him in my arms forever. Right. And then you're like, ah, and then you tell, yeah, I later tell you, hey, guess what? Danny over here wants to bone you, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I still lie, even though I know the truth. I also think it would be, I, I might have to take this answer back because I, I think it would be, um, yeah, I mean, just to like hear them all the time if you can't turn it off. You, you just hear a lot of like, why did I say that to the barista? I'm such an idiot. You know, you would just like hear hear people just like constantly questioning and doubting themselves all the time. And it would be kind of a bummer. I want to fly. That's just, I wish I could fly. That's way better. Flying's pretty good. I'm going to, uh, you know, I, I don't have to give my answer. This is about you, Lebo. But yes, flying. Flying is always a standard one, right? Yeah. It's save a lot of airfare. Um, yeah, all right, just number so five. Fun. Yeah, and it'd be fun. Yeah, you know, birds. Birds have a pretty sweet deal. Plus, as a grown man flying, how much fun would it be to shit in midair? Yeah, and like on your enemies oh, from above. That's your superpower. See, you what? So what you got to do is hook up with somebody who can hear people's thoughts, and they find out who really thinks that you, you know who's super phony and thinks you're a piece of shit. And then you fly up above. You take a big steaming dump on their head. You eat Chipotle first, so it's like diarrhea. And then yeah, you fly right over them and. Yeah, and then you fly so fast they don't know who did it. They just think they're they've got they're cursed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. I like that. Or you could even train people if you had your friend who could who could read people's thoughts. You could you could time it so that like every time they're thinking negative things about you, they get a whole bunch of diarrhea from the sky. And so that would just like you know BF Skinner behaviorism sort of like train them not to think that way anymore. So yeah, imagine being that like person being like, "This is the fourth time today." I got <laughs> I should stop thinking bad things and wishing bad things for Lebo. And they would know the difference because you, you know, bird poop is like white human poop. They would know. They'd be like, what is yeah. this? Some kind of hawk up there? They would take <laughs> airlines or dumping shit on me. <laughs> Why is there human diarrhea falling from the sky? I love it, man. We got to make that an animated series. <laughs> human diarrhea from the sky. Yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. Question number five. All right. What uh, if you could party with any celebrity? That could be. Let's. You could do two. You could do alive and dead, or just give me one answer. What celebrity would you want to party with? Oh, um, party. I don't really party that much. Yeah, um, you're not a partier anymore, are you? You've tamed down a little bit. Yeah, I stop. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't. Yeah, I kind of don't do anything. You've uh, been vaping like the whole time. You don't smoke. That's just vape. Well, this is nicotine. I mean, I don't smoke oh, weed. Okay. Yeah. No, I. I'm horribly addicted to nicotine um who would i party with um i'm um, celebrities i don't know it's like i kind of don't care um i guess uh well, a historical figure then yeah um but i mean the answer that popped into my head was david berman from the silver jews um so i'll just stick with that but uh you know what no in in honor of of um of uh Let's go with uh, Michael K. Williams because he just passed away. And, Michael Kane? Uh, no, wait. What's his name? Michael K. Williams? Michael T. Williams. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm Michael sorry. K. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, Michael K. K. Williams. Michael K. Williams just died. Omar from The Wire. Omar from The Wire. He was yeah, a super inspiring sad. dude and he just passed away. And um, he, he seemed like he had a really, um, really solid outlook on life and really insightful. So I bet, I bet you could have some really good conversations with him and, and, um, and we just lost him. So I'll, I'll pick him, Michael K. Williams. Yeah. Was that drug related too? Um, I think so. I mean, they haven't announced that, but I, I think so. He had been sober for a long time and um, who knows, maybe it wasn't, but. Well, sadly that is really what happens is that like, a lot of people get sober and then when they relapse, they do the amount of drugs that they used to be able to handle, but they can't handle anymore. And then that's usually what a lot of the ODs are. Right. That's what happened to, uh, what was that British singer lady with the makeup? And the, uh, what's her name? The, uh, uh, Amy. No, 
What was her name? <laughs> Amy Winehouse? That's the one, yeah. Amy Winehouse. Yeah. I think I described her. Um, I wanted to, did you hear about, uh, there were some comedians out in LA uh, and they, you know, they were late cocaine, fentanyl was laced in the cocaine or whatever. Um, Kate Quigley, who I know pretty well enough where when I lived in LA, when I'd see her, I'd be like, hey, Kate, what's up? You know, she is doing better. Uh, from what I just heard on Twitter, so that's good news there. Uh, but RIP to the, uh, the Fuquan. Um, I feel bad because now I'm forgetting his last name. This is a horrible way to do a tribute to someone who just died. But I was going to say, you know, uh, horrible that he passed away. I didn't know him, but I know people who said he was such a great guy. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to be some guy that tells people don't do drugs. But really, let's let's be smart out there, everybody. Like it's just. I, I, yeah. I've never been, I've never gotten the appeal of cocaine. It just feels like it gets you all jacked up. Like, how about, no, no, I, I mean, I get it. I get the appeal of cocaine. I mean, like, that's like, um, I, I used, I used to really like cocaine and like, I mean, that's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. Like what happens, like you, you rip a huge line and you don't feel anything, but then like immediately you want more. I mean, it's just like the best feeling. Where like, yeah, you get no real high, but you just think like, oh, I should do more and then more and then more. Um, yeah, it's like the worst drug. Cocaine is like the worst it's, drug. Well, I mean, I, what you described sounds awesome. But <laughs> I'm like, oh, that sounds, sounds pretty good. But I don't know. I'm just one of those guys that's just have never been appealed by uppers for whatever reason. I mean, I have a heart thing, so that kind of scares me. But it's also oh, like, yeah. it's also just, I don't know. It just feels like I like the stuff that chills you out more. Um, you know, but cocaine, see, the, the appeal of the, the appeal of cocaine is that like you, it allows you to keep drinking. So like if you have a cocaine problem and you want to stop doing cocaine, I think the best way to, to do it is to stop drinking. Cause like, I've definitely like never said like, Hey, let's get some cocaine. If I hadn't had at least a drink or two first. Definitely. No, alcohol is the gateway drug. Marijuana yeah. being the gateway drug is the biggest bullshit lie we've ever been told ever mm -hmm. because everything starts with alcohol you know yeah, like, yeah literally yeah. um jack comstock do you know jack comstock he's no. a comic in new york um he he helps run the uh, saturday comedians you should know shows that we're doing here yeah uh, he's great nice. uh, but he, he has a joke how he's like he's like they say marijuana is a gateway drug but i tried acid first turns out whatever drug you try first uh that's the gate um <laughs> <laughs> they're all, no, they're he's all right. Great. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's definitely, that's the way that goes. I just, that's true. I mean, in the same regard though, nobody tries heroin first. It's right. Not that's very pretty common. unlikely. Did you know that heroin is a brand name that was originally trademarked to the Bayer corporation? They developed it as a pharmaceutical, like a hundred years ago as an no, alternative to morphine. Yeah. It's like, it was invented by a pharmaceutical country, uh, company. So there I you mean, go. That part, that doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know it was like a trademark name and all that. Um, morphine, I, I had when I broke my leg. Mm -hmm. That shit's all right. That's a, that was good. I remember yeah. being really good on that. Yeah, my back was fucked up, and I was doing some Percocets for a while, and like I, you know, and then it was like a little bit hard to stop doing them. But you know, I did, and I'm glad I did. But like, you can see how you can get really deep into that shit, and it's just very difficult. Now, some Stop. drugs you just avoid. I know someone they they were gonna they were prescribed oxy to them when they had pain, and they're like, "Fuck that!" I know all about how people get hooked on this shit. I'm not oh, gonna bother. I, I'd go to this um this like pain clinic when I had my back problem, and I'd be sitting in the waiting room. It was like the most depressing thing in the world because like everyone else in there is just like complaining about how like the doctor won't give them enough pills. They're all just there for their pills. It was like this total pill mill. I was like, I need to get the fuck out of this clinic Im immediately. And I, yeah, I just didn't come back. Yeah. Well, smart move, man. Uh, by the way, the comedian's name was Fuquan Johnson, everybody. I feel sorry that I, I didn't have it right off the top of my head. Um, RIP to him. Uh, there are two other people whose names aren't public that died. There was four comedians who you know, did some cocaine together at a party. And it, whoever they got it from laced it with fentanyl. And I don't understand these fucking dealers who do shit like that. Um it's, yeah, it's like if you're going to lace cocaine, do it with like an amphetamine or something that sends you I, in the same direction. Yeah, why are you doing it in a way that's risking your customers and 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 you know, three of them three of the four people died. Kate Quigley uh thankfully is doing better. I see she's responding to tweets. She'd been in the hospital and it was real touch and go. Um 
God, this very, is a fucking nightmare. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry, was that yeah. legal? I said that's such a nightmare. That that a happened. total nightmare. Um, and that's been happening a lot. That's been going around. I, I've, I've been reading about that a lot of these fucking dealers are doing that shit, which is just it's a fucking prick move. Um, yeah, so anyway, be careful out there, everyone. That's the message at the end of this episode of the Joe Kilgallen podcast. And it's good to be back. Lebo, thank you so much for being on the pod. It's always fun talking to you. I can talk to you about fucking anything and everything and it feels like it's uh, it's gonna be fun and interesting Hell uh, yeah. tell the people where they can find you lebo they can find me at mike they can find my album two slob household wherever they stream comedy stuff um i will be headlining um the uh planet of the tapes in louisville kentucky this weekend so if you live in the louisville area you can find me there in person so that's there. awesome Hell yeah, dude. Check out Lebo in Louisville. That's a fun town. I got to get down there. Louisville's um, a great town, yeah. It is, right? All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Joe Kilgallen podcast. Treat yourselves well. Take care of yourselves. And as always, cheers.